Twitter brought to you by Southhills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Peters Township. Visit them online at southhillsjeep.com. So much to get into. We dive back into the Steelers right now. Mike DeFabo from The Athletic. Mike, uh, first of all, happy Tuesday evening to you. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I just had some delicious salmon tacos. If I can recommend Half-Baked Harvest to anybody yeah. on Instagram, they got recipes and stuff. Mm-hmm. That stuff is bomb. You can't go wrong there. Now, answer me this: Did you what? Did you have soft shell or hard shell tacos? Soft shell with salmon, right? Well, see, I'm actually trying to watch what I eat a little bit, so I went with a um, taco bowl, like a burrito bowl well, I action. I don't mind that. Did you have black beans in there? It was kind of basic, to be honest, Colin. It was like just the rice, the salmon, but the salmon. I'm telling you, like. It was it was uh, seasoned like a five star chef. I really like salmon. I do. The only thing is salmon. Salmon's one of those things that you still know the next morning that you cooked it in your house. That's the only bad <laughs> part about salmon. Um, well, like 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 my dad always says on New Year or on Christmas Eve, you always know who the Italians are because they come in from the feast of the seven fishes, smelling like fish, and we of course are definitely part of that crew. Certainly. Hey, before we get into the Steelers, you know what I went down and was looking at on the internet the other day, and I couldn't take my eyes off it. I had some like downtime. I was sitting in my car waiting on one of my kids to come out from somewhere, and it popped up. This linebacker Alex Tatch from Latrobe, which is where you're from, he was smashing people on this highlight tape that he had. He got offered by USC. He got offered by Stanford. He got offered by everybody. Have you seen this kid from Latrobe? I've heard about him definitely being from Latrobe. And let me say, like, it's pretty cool that Latrobe had success this year because when I was, um, when I played football, um, and, you know, the same field that Joey Porter Jr. and all those guys are playing on, we won exactly zero games on that home field <laughs> over my two years. And uh, then everybody proceeded to quit and play baseball instead. So I did not have good memories of Latrobe football, so uh, I, it's good to see the Wildcats finally turning things around. Yeah, this kid's really good. All right, to the uh, Steelers. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder & Associates, personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. You sort of took in your re- most recent piece in The Athletic kind of a, a mini deep dive, I guess I could put it, as to exactly why the Steelers are winning. I guess that's kind of one of my takeaways. You tell me what the purpose of this piece was and deliver it to me in audio form, if you would. Well, when you look at the Steelers, it almost defies logic and defies reason that they're six and three. And you look at any number of traditional stats, like for example, the offense is 28th in offensive points scored. They're 28th in yards per game. Um, you know, uh, their time of possession, their 30th. And it's similar on the defensive side of the ball where the the Steelers' defense has given up the 28th most yards uh, this season. Um, You know, they're not particularly good at the run or the pass, and they're really bad when it comes to limiting the deep ball. They've allowed more passing plays of 16-plus yards than any other team. So the point was we keep hearing, like, how are the Steelers doing this? How are the Steelers doing this? And I'm one of the people that's also been wondering, so – I tried to find stats that point to here's the answer. Here's how they're winning these games. And so I found six of them um, that led to these six wins. And I think it starts first and foremost just with turnover margin. And it's kind of funny, like anytime you get keys to the game, it's always establish the run, stop the run, win the turnover battle. Right. Or it's always try to limit the damage from Miles Garrett, slow down the, the rush attack, turnover battle. 
So we know that the turnover battle is a significant thing, and that's the best thing the Steelers do on both sides. The defense has been built to turn the football over with the elite pass rush of Alex Highsmith and T.J. Watt. They play tight man coverage on purpose because they expect the ball to come out quickly. They expect turnovers, and they're doing it. They, they are near the top of the league in, in all the takeaway uh, categories. They have 18. And then on the flip side, Kenny Pickett, he's done an outstanding job of protecting the football. He's thrown just four interceptions all season. And as a result, the Steelers have the best turnover margin in the league. So we can go through some of these other ones, but that was the idea is basically like we can't figure out how they keep winning. Let's try to, to try to dive into the numbers and figure out where they actually are excelling when they're so deficient in so many other categories. Let me find a sub point to that, to that point about the turnover battle and exactly what you said about how the Steelers play tactically. How much was it a revelation that Highsmith has gotten this good, that they're able to do things with the back end of the defense they wouldn't otherwise be able to do? Like, that is to say, he had to advance at this level to trust the secondary that much, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you need to. Um, the, Ra- the Raiders right now are dealing with it. Max Crosby is finding himself squarely in the defensive player of the year conversation, but the Raiders don't have a particularly great defense because – He's one of the few guys, you know, other than primetime Robert Spillane has been showing up, but other than that. So when you have two elite pass rushers and they're both getting to the quarterback at the rate they are, the back end doesn't have to hold up as much. And, and Mike Tomlin, he, the way he'll explain it, he loves to say that the pass rush and coverage have to work together. And that's really the case where if you're going to choose to play these tight man coverages, if the pass rush doesn't get home, that's when you're going to be susceptible to these big plays. And that's probably where part of it comes from is that, um, you know, they expect the ball to come out quickly. And when the opponent is effectively, you know, chipping or double teaming out uh, TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, you know, he's not getting home. That's what leaves you susceptible to the big play. So it all works together. And when it works, it, it's really something to behold. Fan hotline presented by Nemecolon around every corner. Nemecolon creates real life magic for guests. Mike DeFabo on that fan hotline you talk about working in complimentary fashion or working in unison well Jalen Warren and uh, Najee Harris certainly are doing that is this here to stay for the duration as uh, both of those guys career in Pittsburgh that it is this is as close to a 50-50 split as we've ever seen Mike Tomlin seems to be warm to it now Mike where he never was before yeah I mean that's another one of the points that I touched upon in this piece is that the Steelers have dramatically improved running the football over the last two weeks. So through the first seven games, they were 28th in yards per game, and they were 29th in yards per carry. Over the last two weeks, the Steelers are third in yards per game and yards per carry. So you can't even say, well, well, they just ran the ball more, they had more plays. No, the yards per carry uh, have significantly improved. It's gone from 3.4 to 5.6. I think that more Jalen Warren is definitely a big piece of that. Um, I think that he's a great downhill runner um, and he has a burst that Najee just does not have. I think going forward for the Steelers, the answer is an and here. I think what would make a lot of sense is you start out in the shotgun, which the Steelers have done. You spread the opponent out, which the Steelers have done. And in doing so, they've been able to hit these light boxes or lighter personnel groupings like nickel and dime with runs effectively. Then once you've built the lead, then Najee comes in as the closer. And so I think that, um, you know, I, th- I think that that's the approach. I think that there, there have been too many times when the Steelers lean on one running back 
and it's to their detriment where they end up wearing the guy out and he's not available late in the season. Um, this year, they finally have two good backs, and I think that the last two games, it's not a coincidence that when they've you know, featured both of them and balanced the workload, those have been their two best rushing games of the season. Answer me this. Is it coincidence, or is there a practical application and a result to the first drive in Tennessee, the first drive in Green Bay, really the first quarter against Green Bay, can we draw a correlation of Matt Canada being on the field at all, or is it just coincidence? You know, I tend to believe that Matt Canada on the field is more valuable in situations between series. So, you know, talking with the receivers who he doesn't normally get an opportunity to talk to when he's in the booth, talking to, you know, the um, Pat Meyer, the offensive line coach, that's not someone he would have a direct line of communication to normally. So, I feel like that's where it's showing up more. Um, in terms of like starting fast and having touchdown drives the first two, after we're so used to getting a three and out the first series, I think, I think some of that goes back to running the football more effectively. And often in that first drive, that's when teams are kind of feeling out, okay, when we go to this particular personnel grouping, what does the defense doing? What are they countering with? And I think the Steelers have been able to catch the opponent by surprise by putting three wide receivers on the field, then all of a sudden they come out with nickel and the Steelers are able to run the ball against that. So, I mean, I think the big question is going to be against the Cleveland Browns. They've now seen the tape. They've seen the tendencies. What are they going to do when the Steelers probably predictably come out with three wide receivers and shotgun and try to run the ball in the opening series uh, this coming week against the Browns? Now, in, in retrospect and in hindsight, in people in Pittsburgh, me included, we hate admitting when we're wrong, right? But do we all have to maybe admit we were wrong in that Mike Tomlin and the offensive staff handled Broderick Jones probably correctly? Yeah, I, I mean, like he's playing very well right now, and I think that he's added a significant boost to the offensive line, and particularly the run game. I don't think it's a coincidence that the run game has opened up just as he's played. But that said, um, I, I think that he did have his rough moments early in the season. I think that he did need to continue to improve uh, in order to, to have success that he's having. And, like, let's not forget that coming out, you know, he was a, a first-round draft pick because he ran the fastest 40 at the combine and because he has the frame and the long-term potential to be a very solid starter or even maybe a pro bowler was a projection, but there was going to need to be some development that was going to take place. He wasn't going to walk in the door as a pro bowler. And even, you know, I'll say, I think that he needs to also improve his body. Um, you know, looking at him, he's solidly built, but I definitely think that he'll come back next year with a little bit of a, you know, more muscle, a little bit leaner, a little bit of a different body type. So, you know, I, I, think that what the Steelers did with Broderick Jones it was actually pretty much the right approach where, you know, they did not want to throw. It's, it's hard to, as Mike Tomlin says, <laughs> it's hard to put the jello back in the box. Yes. And, and what I mean by that is it's hard to anoint this guy a starter and then say, Oh shoot. Our first round draft pick is kind of struggling. Now we're going to bench him. It's much easier to make him earn his opportunity and, and then have people feel like you waited too long to give it to him. Mike DeFabo joining here from The Athletic. So much more to get into, Mike. Uh, Patrick Peterson, we saw him block an extra point, then we saw him come up with an interception. He's had a rocky road and kind of a, a, 
a rocky existence, I guess, here in Pittsburgh. But do those two plays sort of validate why he's around? Yeah, for me, it was nice to see because I think when people, when the Steelers signed Patrick Peterson, everybody knew the name. And they're thinking of Pro Bowl Patrick Peterson, who in his prime not only was one of the best, if not the best shutdown corner in the league for a number of years, he was also returning punts. I mean, this guy was just a freak athlete at his prime. But what we're seeing is a 33-year-old version of him is, is very different than the Pro Bowl version. And it's been tough to see people kind of drag this guy. And, and I get it. Like, part of, it's our job to criticize players when they don't play well. Fans certainly entitled to their opinion and, and um, you know, allowed to be upset. But, but it would be like if Heinz Ward went to a different place and people were just destroying him. I don't think Steelers fans would really appreciate that. So I was happy to see a guy that, by all accounts, is a good veteran in the locker room, a very good leader and mentor to Joey Porter Jr. and some of these other young defensive backs. Um, he's a guy that's really into film study, and I'm sure has passed along that wisdom to other guys with, within that room. So for him to then make critical plays that won them the game – I think it was really great to see. Like, he blocked the kick. There's three points. He contributed to a turnover in the red zone. That's at least three more, if not seven. So, you know, Patrick Peterson alone saved the Steelers somewhere between three and ten points in that game. Well, yeah, like, without the homecoming quotient to the story, there's a lot of Andrew McCutcheon in this. He's going to hit 250. He's not going to hit 300. He's going to hit a dozen or 15 home runs. He's not going to hit 31 like he did the one year. You have to know what you're getting at this point of his career. And I think there's a lot of that in Patrick Peterson. Well, and, and also the Steelers the Steelers coaching staff um, needs to recognize what he is, you know, and that he's not, again, a, a shutdown outside corner anymore. And one of the things that Pat said when he came here is he was really intrigued at the possibility to be a football player. And what he meant by that was not just outside, but playing some nickel, which we initially saw. And now these numerous injuries to the safeties have, have afforded him the opportunity to play some safety for the first time ever in his career. And I think that he wants to play a couple more seasons. I don't think he's done after this. I don't know if it's going to be in Pittsburgh, but I think that that might be the inevitable next step here is that he eventually becomes you know, the, the traditional middle field safety that sits back there and plays center field. So, like, in a way, the numerous injuries to Minka, and now there's question marks about Keanu Neal and his availability, those have provided the perfect opportunity for Patrick Peterson to start playing a little safety. And if he can play it well, you know, he could definitely extend his career and, and snag a couple more interceptions and secure his case for, for Canton. Last thing before I let you go, I sent you a text not long ago. Did you see that Odyssey Pittsburgh, all the stations, not just the fan, but KDKA, the fan, Star 100.7, and our country station, all of them, every, we are putting together the Christmas karaoke again. Will you be in attendance? I can confirm I will definitely oh, be there. there. I went last year, and I sang Felice Navi Dud. Uh, the, the place was bumping. I remembered all the words, and I picked the song specifically because it only has a couple words. And uh, it was electric. Um, and I can't wait for another same thing, I'm sure. I mean, he had everything you could possibly ask for. Mary Hours. The, She's the confirmed. I text, I t touch base. She's confirmed. Neil Walker confirmed. A bunch of other TV people confirmed. It's 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 going to work. My favorite part of the event was uh, my man Bob Pompiani. Um, when Selena got on stage, he was like proud stage dad, busting out his cell phone, recording 
Um, phenomenal form with that, by the way. And it was just a very wholesome moment. They're a great family, and like to see him fired up about his daughter singing karaoke was pretty fun to see. It's funny that you say that. We were one time in the Pirates press box, and Selena was doing something that was like a hit that sh- – or no, it, we were – yeah, we were at the Pirates press box, and she was doing something that appeared on the Jumbotron that was like a hit for the news the next day. He got on his phone and took a picture of the Jumbotron. Just like regular <laughs> dad. I, I love Pump. I just – he's just – such a regular man that happens to be a famous news guy. Yeah, he's he's a legend of the game. He's been doing it since I was playing little league baseball in Latrobe. So yeah, I got to tip my cap to him. But the the definitely that Christmas karaoke is going to be electric. I can't wait. I, it is going to be electric. All right, let's hope that uh, your weekend is electric. The tour de Ohio in the next couple weeks, and uh, we will talk soon. Mike, as always, I thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Certainly. Really, really good stuff from Mike. Go check it out uh, when you get an opportunity. It is spectacular in The Athletic. And Mike did point out, and he did a thorough study. People say, man, how are the Steelers winning? Well, okay, I'll answer it. Here you go. And Mike went and tackled that today, and it's a really great piece in The Athletic, so be sure to check that out. Does George Pickens need to get more involved? We need to discuss. 412-928-9370 coming up next. Listen to Cooking Joe every Wednesday. Hear about Starkey's Card of the Week. Baseball Card Castle and Cranberry. Contests run every Wednesday through Friday at noon. So check out all the details on our website, 937thefan.com.